thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Mirror Talk. I really appreciate your presence here right now. And I would love to learn from your story because I was going to your website and I found your story very interesting, you know, dropping out of school and moving from Poland to Britain on a bus. Like you drove for 27 hours because you couldn't buy the plane ticket. And now you have become, you, you have become one of the um, you know, highest paid personal coaches in the UK also. So um, unlike one of my favorite people in the, in the world, in the history, Muhammad Ali, mm. um, he was petrified, not just afraid of flying, he was petrified of flying, mm. which is quite interesting given that he would face those scary dudes in the boxing ring, but then he was too scared to get on the plane. Mm-hmm. The reason I got on the bus is because I couldn't afford the plane ticket, not because I was afraid of flying. (laughs) And, you know, especially given that that was 17 17 years ago, 2005, Mm -hmm. there was no Ryanair, EasyJet, Wizard back in the day. So you either, uh, you were either flying with British Airways, with Hansa, one of those guys, or or nothing, or you you took a bus if you couldn't afford like British Airways, you know? So... So um, yeah, it's 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 definitely one of those stories of of uh, starting with nothing and and ending up with uh, a, a little bit more than nothing mm. over the course of uh, a decade or so. Yes, and how was that? You know, transition for you, like you know, the moment before you jumped on the bus to move to Britain? Like, did you know anyone here in the, anyone there in the UK, for example, or you were just driving towards uncertainty? Yeah, so so first of all, I came here with my girlfriend at the time, which was useful. So I wasn't completely uh, um, uh, alone. Mm. Um, and even when we got to London, we, we weren't completely alone because we had a couple of friends. I had a couple of friends already living in London. Mm. And it actually allowed us to come to London in the first place because all the money that we had was just enough to Mm. buy two one-way tickets to London. Oh, right. So if you, if it wasn't for the couple of my friends, Polish friends who were already in London, who basically said, Hey, listen, why don't you guys come in here? We're going to lend you money. Mm. You're going to start working and then you're going to pay us back. Yeah. Right when you can, and that's exactly what happened. So if it wasn't for them, we could we 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 couldn't come because mm. what would we do? That because we had no money, like we had yeah. no money. Yeah. So we literally came without a penny. Um. Uh, so yeah, I knew her. Obviously, she was my girlfriend, and I knew those guys. Uh, this uh, uh, this guy and his his uh, girlfriend at the time, now wife. Mm. So um, it's definitely one of the the biggest acts of kindness or one of the biggest acts of kindness that I've experienced in my life who mm. contributed to like determining my, um, my life, yeah. right? Because it wasn't for them. Mm-hmm. And it's not like they were rich or anything like that. They were just, you know, doing like shitty jobs mm. at the time. Yeah. Uh, but they, they had just enough money to like be able to help us out, which I will mm-hmm. never uh, uh, forget. And yeah, there was an excitement. Um, there was a little bit of fear of unknown. Mm. Um, and it was funny because um, I'm from a big city in Poland, right? But as soon as I came to London, I realized that uh, 
a, a big city in Poland is like a village comparing to London, <laughs> right? So I was like, yeah. ah, I'm used to being a big city, right? I am from mm. a big city. Yeah. But but when you look at the like population, my my city in Poland, the city I'm from, is more than ten times smaller than London, right? Oh, when you wow. look at the size, I don't know how many, but at least I would say London is five times bigger, right? And mm. And 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 as you know, London is not just the capital of of the UK, but it's like one of the most important, biggest uh, 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 cities in the world. In the world, right? It's not just yes. like the biggest city here. It's like one of the most important cities in terms of mm. uh, like the finance, financial industry, the, the culture, arts, like all all sorts of things, right? Invention and 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 uh, uh, you name it. So so I was really excited, and more than anything else determined that I'm going to find a way to become successful one way or another mm. legally legally that was yeah. that was it was one of the conditions right that's good yes it, it was it wasn't it wasn't a, a a question of um getting to the top or becoming successful at any cost mm. at any cost in terms of the hours I was willing to put in yeah. the sacrifices I was willing to make mm. But um, yeah, like hurting anyone or, or, or doing anything illegal wasn't part of the plan. I think we can all agree I'm a little bit, just a little bit too pretty to go to prison. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. And how was it like, you know, for you to learn the language, like, you know, before you could really speak in Polish and you had to come all the way here, learn the language and do, you know, legal jobs, like you said, also like legal jobs and avoid criminal um, activities. If possible, <laughs> if possible. Yeah. So, if so, possible, yeah. so um, I did speak English when mm. I came to London, very, very basic level. Oh, very, okay. very broken English, but I did speak English, right? Mm. So it's not like I came here without speaking English at all. Mm. I came here with speaking some English. If it wasn't for that, I definitely wouldn't get a job in retail. Mm. Maybe I could get a job somewhere on the construction side or something like that, which wasn't uh, something that I was interested in. Yeah. Um, doing any like labor intensive, uh, like physically hard work because, yes, I didn't have any money. Uh, I could barely speak English, but I knew I wasn't stupid. I'm not saying everyone working in construction is stupid. That's not what I'm saying. But I knew that I could do more with myself. I could use my brain more than moving bricks on the buildings, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So the little English that I knew was enough for me to get a job in fashion retail. Mm-hmm. And it's the fashion retail that I spent the first six years of my life in London uh, and then I transitioned to personal coaching in uh, 2011 at the age of 28. Oh, that's good. And fashion retail was your first job ever. Like that was the first job ever you did. Yes. Like a yeah. f- first, first like r- real job. Mm. Uh, and because I was 22, like, listen, I was so happy when they called me. I, w- I was in the bus, I remember, um, with my girlfriend when they called me saying that I was successful in, in, in that application and yeah. in that interview that I had, I think the day before, mm. um, it was uh, a, a job of a sales assistant in Zara. Oh, right? okay. And okay. I was the happiest freaking kid <laughs> on the planet. I was so happy because, you know, we just came there, uh, as I said before, no money, leaving off my friends, which... Mm. 
you know, they offered and I've accepted, but it's just not something that I felt particularly comfortable with. And it was three weeks, I think, if I remember correctly, it was three weeks after we arrived that I had this interview and this phone call. So it wasn't like, you know, we, we arrived. I was like, I'm here. And everybody <laughs> said, Michael, would you like to work for us? You yeah, know? Yeah. So, so, so it took three weeks for me to get a job. Mm-hmm. It took, I think, maybe four weeks in total for my girlfriend to get a job. She was, uh, uh, and still is to this day, a makeup artist. Mm-hmm. So I got a job in Zara as a sales assistant. She got a job as a makeup artist in 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 like a chain uh, 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 brand as well. So we both started working and slowly but surely we started paying off uh, my friends. Mm-hmm. And then we moved out and then we lived separately and, and, and you know, the rest is history. Yeah, yeah. I, I found something very fascinating. You know, during your first job um, interview ever at Zara, um, yeah. the interviewing manager asked you how you saw yourself in the future in that company. And you smiled and told him that um, you see yourself doing his job. And nine months later, you are doing exactly his job. <laughs> so Well remembered. So, so the exact words were... Uh, I did it with a finger like this, mm-hmm. uh, but with a smile on my face, right? So I was like threatening him. You know, I was just a kid. Yeah. But but he asked me. So one of the things was he was like doing the interview, right? And one of the questions he asked me was like, "How do you?" Which is the standard interview question, I suppose, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how do you see your future in, in this company? And I said with a finger, pointing at him, I said, "I want your job." As soon, <laughs> as soon as possible you know like i had this like godfather moment i think yeah sure enough he laughed um uh, and and then as you said nine months after after this interview i took over his position so he got promoted to to even higher role within mm-hmm. the the company mm-hmm. and they needed someone to replace him and 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 they picked me and i was super happy and and it was such a fast promotion yeah. They told me it was the fastest promotion in the history of Zara UK at the time hmm. from someone to come in without any experience in retail to, to go from sales assistant to a manager in, in nine months. At the age of 22, how were you able to you know, build up that confidence to speak with the interviewing manager at that point? I would be lying if I said, because I suppose that would make my story even more interesting. If I said, hey, listen, I, I've been this fat kid that nobody liked. Mm. And I lost my virginity at the age of 25. Like, I've always been a confident kid. Mm. I've always been uh, what you could say or refer to uh, full of myself. Right? I, always, I always believed in myself. Mm. Not at the level I believe in myself now, because now I am where I am after 16 years of personal development, mm. right? But I've always been a confident person overall. There were, there were parts of my life I wasn't particularly confident in, and I had to work on those parts, right? So it's not like I was, and I, I'm still not confident about every single area of life. Mm. Like if you ask me to bungee jump, if you offer me 10,000 euros, to bungee jump, I'll say, keep your money, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. if, you offer me, if, if, you, if you offer me 20,000 euros to freaking skydive, I'll say, mm. no, 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 I'm good. Keep your money. Mm. So I'm afraid of certain things. It's like, hey, would you like to play with this uh, uh, spider? Or would you like to play with this snake? No, no, no I'm good. I'm good with snakes <laughs> and spiders. Like, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. 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 
yeah, like in, in, in a Netflix show, if I see one, I'm, I'm fine. But like, I don't, so, so I'm not saying that I have no fears, mm. right? And I'm not afraid of anything, right? Mm. But what I did do is I've addressed throughout my life, using the vehicle of personal development, I've addressed the fears mm. that were getting in the way of me building the life that I want to build for myself. And I, and I accepted the fears mm -hmm. that have absolutely nothing to do with my lifestyle because how often do I need to skydive? How often do I need to deal with snakes in uh, central London? We don't have many snakes in here. No. Like you need to go to the zoo to see a snake, right? Mm, yeah. So I didn't have to worry about things like that because I knew that those things will never be part of my life. The, the way I've, I've envisioned my life Mm -hmm. I knew those things would not be problematic for me. So yeah. I've only been looking at the things that were important to me, such as confidence with women, mm -hmm. such as confidence in asking people for money for my service. Mm -hmm. Right before that in retail, confidence in asking for more money uh, during job interviews. Yeah. Right? Yes. So, so coming back to your original question, my, my confidence was always there. Like the overall confidence was always there from the young mm -hmm. age. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't know if it's genetics, if it's upbringing, probably a combination of the two. Like my father is a very confident person. My mother is like a normal person when it comes to confidence. She's not shy, but my mm. father is definitely very confident, right? So, mm. so probably I got it from my father, um, that sense of fearlessness, like that overall sense of fearlessness, mm. while recognizing, as I said before, that even though I feel overall, overall fearless when it comes to life yeah. there are plenty of areas that i i i'm afraid of or mm. like I, I i i fear of yeah but at the same time i don't care about it mm -hmm. because they are not part of my those things do not affect the quality of my life so i'm not gonna say to someone hey you know to make yourself more confident go and jump off the plane <laughs> not necessarily because it's like why it's like why would i want to do it mm -hmm. oh because you're afraid of it okay so but if i do that there's gonna be another five things i'm afraid of so shall i just spend my whole life doing the things i'm afraid of even though they might have nothing to do with the kind of life i want to live yeah. well if somebody thinks that i disagree mm. yes wow that's good and you know did this confidence also help you to get your first promotion towards becoming a manager? Or what would you say also contributed to that first promotion? Yeah, so, the, so the, the number one thing, without a doubt, it wasn't even confidence. Yes, the confidence and being naturally bossy, right? So, so they, they could quickly pick up on the fact that I'm naturally quite bossy. I've always been quite bossy, mm. right? It's very easy for me to tell people what to do. It's less easy for me... To, to not so much to hear, but for me to, to have other people telling me what to do. Right? <laughs> okay. yeah. So, so I, I, can, I can do that. I'm, I'm coachable. I had coaches in the past and they would tell you I'm coachable, but I picked my coaches. Mm -hmm. There were people I respected. Mm. Back in retail, there were bosses that I respected and I had absolutely no problem taking directions from them. But if I don't respect you and you tell me what to do, I'm going to probably tell you to fuck off, right? Mm -hmm. Which, if you work for yourself, you can get away with it, right? Mm -hmm. and, I, and I've done it and I got away with it. 
if you work for somebody else, you obviously have to like control that part of you. Otherwise, you're probably not going to stick around in a job for too long, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So, so, so it didn't take me a long time to figure out that employment wasn't for me, that I'm not an employable person, right? Mm-hmm. That I need to work for myself. It took me a little bit longer to figure out what is it that I could do and that thing happened to be coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, but coming back to your original question, the number one reason as to why this promotion could happen as fast as it did was I just worked super hard. Mm-hmm. I just worked super hard because remember, yeah. I was really determined to make as much money as possible, as quickly as possible, because number one, I felt the obligation to pay back my friends. They were not, they, they never gave me a deadline. They had enough money for themselves. They were living mm-hmm. a simple lives. There was mm-hmm. no pressure that I've never felt any pressure from them. Yeah. Right? It's like, hey, we need our money back as soon as I've, I've never felt it, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter. I, I put the pressure on myself. Right. Yes. So, so, um, so I was basically asking my managers to give me as many hours as possible. I was asking for overtime. I was always there, always on time. First mm. one to come, last one to leave. Never complaining about anything. To begin with, even if I wanted to complain, it would be hard because I couldn't speak the language very well. So, <laughs> be, be, before you start complaining, better learn the language first, in which you want to complain in, right? Mm-hmm. So, but no, like I'm not, I'm not a complainer by by nature. But my work ethic was number one um, uh, reason, uh, and that number two, probably that confidence slash. Um, and ease in which I've always found telling people what, what or like managing people or leading people, telling people what to do, basically. Yeah. In I a nutshell. You know, hey, listen, can you do that? Can you do this? Can you help me out with this? Can you, you know, and it's, it's, that's what leadership is in a, in, in a, in a way, right? Like you, yes. you, 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 you need to like sell people on an idea and, and, and you, you need other people to, to help you, uh, make your vision reality, whether it's something such a, uh, at such a micro level, like some tasks that you can imagine being done in a retail environment or, or, or creating company like Tesla. Yeah. Um, you, you need, you need, you need other people to help you to achieve those things. You can't, you can't do it by yourself, obviously. Exactly. And, that's, and that's leadership management and, and all of that. Yes. And we, we, you know, this, you realizing that you have these skills, like, you know, the leadership skills, uh, was, that, was that what inspired you to, you know, um, switch from being a retailer or being, um, you know, working in the um, fashion, um, let's say the fashion um, industry, basically, and you're spending um, around 10,000 hours mastering the craft of coaching to finally become a coach. Was that the, you know, motivation behind it or what inspired you also to do that? Yeah. yeah. So, so, um, it wasn't so much the case of um, me being in retail and thinking, hmm, what else could I do? What else could I do? I don't really like the retail that much, which I didn't. To begin mm-hmm. with, I was fine. Excuse me, for the first few years, I was fine. And then for the, for the last few years, I, I was less fine, but I needed a job and I didn't have an idea as to what else I could do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it already became apparent to me by the age of 26, 25, 26, that I'm not really an employable person, but I have a problem with, with not so much with authority per se, because it's not like I have a problem with all types of authority, mm-hmm. but I definitely, I, I understood by then that I had a problem with 
authority that I didn't respect. And here is the thing. I'm not saying that retail managers and, 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 and people in the leadership positions in retail are all dumb because that's not true. I know many great, I've met many great people. And I still know some great people within the retail industry, mm-hmm. right? But it's not NASA either, right? True. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm, so, I'm so smart, like I couldn't get a job at NASA, but I felt a little bit too smart for retail, if that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. So what I'm going with this, I would find myself after I've mastered uh, English, mm-hmm. right? After I went from barely speaking any English to, to speaking the kind of English I speak right now. So like pretty fluent, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not, maybe I haven't mastered it. I will never probably master it because it's, it's not my uh, native tongue. But uh, w- when my English became fluent, it became even more apparent that some of the people who are my managers or district managers, whatever, were mm. bloody idiots. Mm. And those people, like I understand that there are idiots and there will always be some idiots out there, but there's one thing for me to accept that somebody is an idiot and there's completely other thing for me to take orders from someone mm. I perceive to be an idiot, right? So that was True. problematic for me. And sure enough, I would start to clash I would start to clash big time with some people, right? But sure enough, um, I was already into personal development. So personal development wasn't something new to me. I was doing it for myself, working on myself. And then one day I had this epiphany that personal coaching is something that I want to do as a profession. And I basically transitioned from retail to coaching and started working for myself. So all the things that... Uh, were problematic for me uh, back in retail were no yeah. longer an issue because I no longer had a boss. Mm. I no longer had to ask for permission whether I can finish early on Friday or something. I no mm. longer had to ask permission whether I can take a holiday at a certain time. I became my own boss, basically, mm. right? And I have yes, been my own yes. boss ever since. And that really suits my personality. Now the idea of going back to employment, and I'm not saying that it is bad to be, to be an employee because it's not, mm-hmm. right? I have an assistant. She works for me. She's my employee, mm-hmm. right? So if I said it, being an employee sucks, that's like me saying that, you know, this girl is, it's like, it's like the stage she's at at her life at 24, mm-hmm. it's okay for her to work for me. Just yeah. like it was okay for me to work for somebody else at 24, right? Yes. And there are people who can be 44, 54, and they're more than happy having jobs. Because mm-hmm. there are obviously perks of having a job versus working for yourself. Mm-hmm. One of them is the predictability of your income, which mm-hmm. I don't have. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know how much money I'm going to make this month, let alone next month. Mm-hmm. I, I can make zero pounds. I can make 100,000 pounds. I don't mm-hmm. know that. Mm-hmm. Right? So for some people, that's very problematic. For me, that's okay. What's problematic for me was the lack of... Um, independence Mm. when I had a boss, right? Uh, And this was particularly visible when the boss I had at the time was someone I didn't respect, Mm. right? Which was half of the time. (laughs) And so it was good for you to, you know, get rid of, you know, those kind of people in your life and, you know, become who you truly are and what you are doing today also. Yeah, Yeah. so, 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 yeah, that's the bottom line. It's like whether we're talking about, um, 
employment versus entrepreneurship, where we're talking about um, whether we're talking about being single versus being married, whether we're talking about having children or having no children, mm-hmm. whether we're talking about um, living in one place your whole life or changing the location, the city every two years. Who am I to say which one is better? All I can say is what's best for me, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And I can say what's best for me now because I'm 39 and I have basically 39 years to figure this out. Mm-hmm right? I choose to work for myself and I will never work for anybody else. I choose to be single and I don't see myself getting married, having kids and all of that is because it's just not who I am subject to change, right? We, we all change and, and, uh, we might have a conversation two years from now and um, I might tell you, Toby, uh, this is my wife and this is my kid. Yeah, like, yeah. Hold on a minute. Didn't you say in April <laughs> 22, they're like, I don't want to get married. I don't want to have kids. People change. True. Right? So um, I really don't see myself doing anything else than coaching for the rest of my life. I mm-hmm. really don't see myself living anywhere else other than London for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. As it stands, I don't see myself getting married, having kids. But this one, out of all the ones that I've, things that I've mentioned, it's the yeah. most uh, likely to maybe change one day. I don't know. Maybe when I'm 60, I would have a kid. <laughs> okay. I tease my mother because when I tell my mother that, she's like, oh, my God, 60-year-old with a child, like a small child. She's Polish, obviously, like, you know, mm-hmm. um, what I mean by that. Um, um, it's slightly conservative when it comes yeah. to, like, family. Like, it's normal, right? It's yes. like normal. I don't think there's any country where a mother would be happy with her son having the first kid at the age of 60, right? No. (laughs) But, 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 uh, you know, so so anyway, what I'm trying to say is that the number one thing you want to figure out in life is what is it that you want, Mm -hmm. right? And I appreciate that that takes time. And what can make this process... um, accelerated or what, what can speed up this process more than anything else that I know is to have a coach who can help you to figure this out mm-hmm. if you haven't figured this out yet. So that's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, and you can't have the number two without the number one first, right, is to execute on it. Mm-hmm. So figuring out what is it that you want, yeah. who you want to become, etc., mm-hmm. and then executing, asking yourself, what is it that I need to do in order to build that life for myself? Mm. But obviously, if you don't know, if you haven't figured out, if you didn't take the time and spend the energy to decide what is it that you want, Mm. how can you go about creating it? It's like trying to build a skyscraper before you talk to the architect Mm. and do the drawings and that part of the process. Yeah. Like they would think you're mad. It's like, hold on a minute. Mm. Like you talk to the builders and the builders like, okay. Uh, can we see the drawings? Mm. And I, I, I don't have, I don't have any, but like, I want a skyscraper here. <laughs> okay. So you want a sky, but right. So, so yeah. the same in life is like step one towards building the life that you want is to figure out what does it mean to you? Yes. Right. And yes. then making sure that what you want mm-hmm. to have, who you want to become, etc is the product of your own conclusions as opposed to other people's conclusions. Hmm. As, much as, as much as I love my parents, 
if if they had it their way, I'll be a miserable doctor or lawyer in Poland right now because that was the idea for me. That's what they wanted for me. Yeah. And, that, and there was a period where, where I wanted the same thing. I was in high school and I thought, yeah, obviously I'm pretty smart, you know. Uh, and that's where I'm going. Mm. Yes, that's where I'm yes. going. I'm going to be a lawyer, doc, something like that, like a normal engineer. It's like a normal profession, right? Like, yeah, a, like yeah. a profession, right? True. Um, but then along the way, I, I realized that school wasn't for me. So I quit it at 17, as you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my poor parents almost got heart attacks on the back of that. So that's, that's you know, that was... The one, the one thing that wasn't cool about this whole thing, and, you know, the, the story in itself sounds pretty cool, but mm-hmm. my poor, uh, my poor parents suffered a lot because of that. Mm-hmm. But I took my time to figure out what is it that I want, and then I took my time to build a life that I wanted to build for myself. It did take me thirty-four years to figure everything out, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So only for the last five years I could say that my life has been the way I wanted it to be. Right? Yeah, so it took yeah. me 34 years to figure myself out. Yeah. And the only reason, the way I see it, the only reason it only took me 34 years as opposed to 40, 50, or 60 is because I got into personal development at 23, which means that I had 11 years to work on myself, yeah. to learn about myself, to learn about, to learn about life in a way which is bigger or, or faster than most people because not only I was living my life and getting older and through like life experience, getting wiser, like organically, because I was reading the books I was reading, because I was listening to podcasts I was listening to and, 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 and uh, uh, going to events I was going to, that accelerated my process of figuring out what is it that I wanted and who I wanted to become. Yes. As, a, as a man, as a human being, and then a, as a coach, right? So in my mm-hmm. profession. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, you know, it, it, the, way I, the way I see it, if I could do it, anybody can do it. Like yes. the way, if I could build a 10 out of 10 life for myself, mm-hmm. right? And some people say like, I, you, you know, how could you call it a 10 out of 10 life? You are, you are single with no kids. <laughs> and I would say, y- yes, by design. Mm. what suits you basically yeah it's like but this, like but everybody who knows me would say that yeah if he wanted to find a wife and get kids probably he would find at least one candidate mm-hmm. right because he's not shy and you know he can provide whatever and he's 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 you know half decent right so 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 it's 100 percent by design mm-hmm. right but using that as an example if you Get married because you feel that pressure from your family, especially especially in certain cultures like Asian culture. This is the most apparent, I suppose. When you get married because your family wants you to get married, and then you find yourself miserable in a marriage, and like, what did you expect? Yeah, you true. followed other people's idea as to what's good for you. What did you mm. expect? Yeah, and then I would say to people, I would I would go a step further sometimes, and I would say, listen, especially if you follow your parents' idea as to how you should live your life. Mm. Here's the problem. There's many problems with that, but here's one of the problems with that is how old are your parents? And people would say, oh, let's say 60. Mm. Well, they're going to be around for another, let's say, 20 years, right? Mm. And they're out. 
Whereas you are 30, let's say, mm-hmm. you're going to have to live with the consequences of their ideas as to how you should live your life for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Right? They won't even be around to, to listen to you complaining about the life that you built for yourself because you follow their advice. Mm-hmm. Right? So yeah. as much as I love my parents, as much as if I could do it in a way if I could live my life, my whole life, they are very happy that no reason to complain, right? But when I was younger, if I could do it in a way that I, I would please myself, I would make myself happy mm-hmm. and my parents happy at the same time mm-hmm. and every other human being on the planet at the same time, I would do it. Because mm-hmm. I'm a people pleaser. Like I want everybody <laughs> to be happy, especially yeah. people I know, right? Mm-hmm. But given the choice between making myself happy and making my parents, who I love dearly happy, I'm always going to choose myself. And they know mm. it. Yeah. Having a choice of making myself happy or my girlfriend happy, as much as I love my girlfriend, I'm going to have to choose myself. Mm. Right? You always want to choose yourself first. Now, when you have your own children, I know things change in your brain, especially if you're a woman, you know, and, and you, 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 you are wired to prioritize the well-being of your child over your own. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want to talk about it too much because I don't have the kids as we established myself. Yeah. But the best of my understanding, things change a little bit when you have your own kids, right? Mm-hmm. But between you and your girlfriends, you and your boyfriends, you and your parents, you and your other family members, you and your friends, you and society as a whole, mm-hmm. for God's sake, pick yourself. Yeah. Like choose you over other people. It's your life. Mm. Like ma- make it make it worth living for you. Yes. And I promise you this, with some exceptions, because some parents are so conservative that if you go too crazy, they'll never forgive you. Whatever, I would still take the risk, right? Mm. But those are rare exceptions. More often than not, no matter how resistant your parents or partners or friends or society might be initially with your idea Mm -hmm. if you pursue this idea if you execute on this idea whatever it is you know like a classic example of someone who comes from the family of lawyers Mm -hmm. or uh, uh, people work in the financial sector and they want to be an artist Uh, and the parents would go are you out of your mind like Mm -hmm. do you want to be broke for the rest of your life? Is that, is that what you want? You know, mm-hmm. like, just be a lawyer. We have, we have our family law firm. Just get a degree. Yeah. You, you, why, why would you? Painting, are you out of your mind? <laughs> right? Are you, yeah. are you out of your mind? Right? <laughs> but then, if you say, guys, I appreciate your concerns. Let's don't forget the numbers, the, 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 the number one job that parents have Right, that's the wiring is mm-hmm. our safety. Yes. Right? And this and this is important to remember. Our parents' number one job is our safety and security, not necessarily our fulfillment. Mm. Right? So yeah. they're just doing the job. I've never blamed my parents for anything. They were just doing the job. Yeah. They they wanted for me what they felt was their job for me to have. Mm-hmm. Right. So safety and security. Mm-hmm. That's why they had a freak out when I quit school at 17 because they thought, oh my God, what's going to happen with him? True. In Poland, without a degree, 
um, not a good situation, not right? Future, not a good yeah. situation at all. So, so I understand where they were coming from. <laughs> but I'm convinced, with some exceptions, like I said, that coming back to my previous analogy, an artist, are you crazy? If you really commit to it, given that you have some talent, if you really commit to it, next thing you know, you make more money as an artist mm. than your parents as lawyers or bankers. Mm. Because we all know that there are artists, visual artists, yeah. that make millions, millions and millions and millions and millions, one piece of, right? Yeah. We have a street it's artist, okay. Banksy, right? Mm-hmm. Street art. And, and, and he's, when, when there's a piece that you can buy, it sells for a lot of money, mm-hmm. right? But I don't know his background, nobody does. But if his parents, he's a smart guy, so that wouldn't be, uh, uh, um, that wouldn't be um, uh, impossible. Mm-hmm. He, he might as well be from a family of lawyers. That's true. And, and if he told his parents, if he's from a family of lawyers, and he told his parents that at the age of 20 that he wants to be a street artist, mm-hmm. <laughs> they'll probably, <laughs> probably think that he lost it. Yeah. And they'll everything, because that's their conditioning, right? That's mm-hmm. the quote-unquote job. They would try everything in the power to convince him to, to stop being a, a, a so-called dreamer, mm-hmm. to get real. That's the kind of words and phrases that parents use sometimes or society uses sometimes. Mm-hmm. Come on, be realistic. Yeah. Don't be a dreamer. Mm-hmm. Get, get, get real. Mm-hmm. You know, a, an artist, what are you talking about? That's or like true. when you say, I want to be a professional footballer. Come on, you know, get a real job. There's mm. so few people that become professional in any sports, like, and obviously lots of boys, especially, right? Girls as well, but boys especially. They, you know, they like to play football. They want to be a professional footballer. Mm-hmm. And if that's what your kid wants, you know, at least like support them at it. And and yeah. and, and if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And if not, don't don't don't. If you know, if you're a parent, don't don't impose mm-hmm. your views. On your child, like let your child find themselves and consider supporting them in that pursuit throughout that pursuit. Mm-hmm. Let, let them make the mistakes, let them figure out things for themselves, mm-hmm. uh, help them as much as you can along the way, but don't, don't impose your, it's like a, um, super cliche things like, you know, Chinese parents, like you're going to play piano. And the mm. little girl is like, well, I, I, don't, I don't like it. You're mm. going to play piano, you know, and you're going to become very good at it. And then you, and you end up, 10 years later, you end up with a professional uh, pianist, miserable. Mm. She knows how to play piano, but she's miserable because it's never been her idea to yeah. play piano. It was her parents' idea, mm. right? And I'm not saying that all <laughs> pianists or Chinese pianists are miserable because there are some, you know, you hear the stories of like a four-year-old, um, I think it was uh, a documentary that I've seen about Pete, uh, Pete Sampras, uh, a, a professional, a, a former professional tennis player. And if I remember correctly, from the first time he saw a tennis racket, he was four years old, mm. if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. When he saw the tennis racket, when he, he just, you just couldn't stop him playing. Mm. He was just so, at the age of four, yeah. he knew that tennis was the thing for him. For him, yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's, and he wanted to spend every 
free hour that he had, every free bit of time that he had playing tennis from the age of four. So if that's the case, that's wonderful. But don't, but don't force your kids to play tennis just because you have failed. That's the worst story. Just because you have failed in your tennis career. Yeah, and now you have a kid, boy or a girl, and you have failed. And now the kid doesn't even care about tennis that much. But mm. you make them play tennis and practice tennis for two hours before school and two hours after school oh, every no. day. That's not good. And, and it's like the school and the tennis and there's no child. Where's the childhood? You know, yeah. so that's like a, you know, parent kid thing. But then what we are guilty of as adults is we allow the society as a whole mm-hmm. to dictate our actions. Yeah. Right? The society tells you, hey, you should wear this. You shouldn't wear that. Mm-hmm. And this is how you should speak. This is how you shouldn't speak. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and now there's, there's been a big progress on that front, but uh, you know, back in the day, the fashion brands would portray a, a certain image of, you know, that's how a cool person looks and that's mm-hmm. that's how it doesn't, right? Whereas yes, now yes. it's the diversity. I mean, obviously we've made a lot of progress. We're not quite there yet, but we've made a lot of progress like since I remember. But before we continue, uh, Michael, I would love to ask you a question because you, you were talking about you being a, pe- a people pleaser earlier and yeah. um, you learned to put yourself first. You know, that could be a challenging thing for a people, a people pleaser. So how, mm-hmm. how are you able to, you know, learn, how, how are you able to build up yourself to put yourself first while still being a people pleaser at some point? Sure. Good question. And interesting enough, I told you before we started recording that I was uh, having a session with my female client based in uh, Netherlands and we had the conversation about it, mm. about the same thing that we're going to talk about now because wow. yeah. historically, we, we say in personal development that in life, we don't attract the people we want to attract. Mm. We attract people similar to us. Mm. So we don't attract what we want. We attract what we are, right? Yeah. Yes. Me being a people pleaser myself, I've always been attracting a lot of nice people. Mm-hmm. And the very common characteristic of nice people is being a people pleaser, True. right? Yeah. So because I am the way I am, that's the best way I can explain it anyway. Because I am the way I am, historically, majority of my clients would be nice, decent people uh, who, are, who are people pleasers, right? Mm. And earlier today, I was telling this girl, my female client, I said, listen, I know it's hard because to this day, after 16 years of personal development and thinking about things like that, mm-hmm. after almost uh, 10 and a half years of coaching, I still find it much easier to say yes to, every, to everyone and everything than no, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's my uh, natural setting, if you will, to say yes, to agree to things, to please people, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So then how, so that, how do you combat that? Like how, like, but, but to your question, right? Like how do you, how can you put yourself first and be a people pleaser at the same time? Well, mm. through discipline and then through practice. Yeah. So even though you feel like agreeing to, to like, I remember dating this Korean girl ages ago and she's been in London only for a few months. Um, and she was studying something and she asked me, Michael, can I ask you something? Sure. She said, 
when my colleagues at the university invite me to parties like birthday parties, is it okay for me to say no? And I thought for a second that she was out of her mind. And then I reminded myself that she was Asian or Korean, right? And it's the cultural difference. Mm -hmm. That she wasn't actually stupid or insane. Mm. She was just Korean. She was Asian. And it's a different culture, right? So I didn't make fun of her. I just, you know, found myself judging her. And I kind of called myself on it internally. And then just like... uh, I say, oh, yeah, of, of course you can say no. You, you, you don't do that in Korea? And she said, no. Like, no, when the friend invites you somewhere, like, you have to go. Like, it's, it's the cultural, cultural thing, right? Mm-hmm. I, I didn't say that to her, but I remember thinking to myself, uh, you know, mental note, never, never move to Korea. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't do too well in Korea with my mm. personality they would kick me out you know mm. uh, the day after I would arrive there uh, uh, for not agreeing to everything yeah. um, but uh, so, 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 so discipline so, so you make a decision step one you make a decision that you want to prioritize yourself so, mm-hmm. so unless you make that decision then you don't have a strong base from which you can then build a strategy, right? And, and, yeah. and, and thing to say discipline to. So it starts from making a decision. Mm-hmm. I found myself throughout my life being sometimes too agreeable, uh, saying yes to things I didn't want to say yes to, but I did it to please other people. Mm-hmm. And then slowly but surely throughout my life, I would get a grip and I would learn to control that side of me better mm-hmm. and instead of saying yes to things intuitively right because th- that's what my intuition would like tell me. like say yes like somebody wants something from you say yes you know like no 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 no. because i've learned that sometimes you say yes to the wrong people and then it comes back and bites you in the ass it's just it's just not a good strategy right True. especially this is especially important for anyone who is either successful or planning to become successful. Because guess what? The more successful you get, the more people want more things from you, especially your time, especially Mm. your time, right? So if I was to have coffees, quote unquote coffees, with people who are getting into coaching or thinking about getting into coaching, all I would do would be drinking coffees with those people. Because I get asked throughout my career, ever since I've made it, let's say, not my whole career, but ever since I made it as a coach, mm-hmm. I've been bombarded with requests from coaches, uh, like junior coaches or wannabe coaches uh, with requests of, of having a coffee so they can pick my brains mm-hmm. right, and ask me some questions for me to guide them, give them directions. Yeah. And sure enough, at the beginning, I would say yes to those mm-hmm. uh, because I'm a nice guy, right? A people pleaser, <laughs> as we established. Yeah. But then it just became not sustainable. Mm-hmm. And then I, I arrived to an obvious conclusion. It's like, how, how is it fair that I expect my clients, who are sometimes coaches as well, right? Mm-hmm. Using that as an example, how is it fair that I charge those people for my advice and then I give my advice for free to those people just because they asked for it, mm-hmm. right? So there was a point where I stopped having those coffees. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a coffee with a wannabe coach for at least uh, 
six years, right? It's like my, my time became like for you to have my time, you're gonna, gonna, you're gonna have to give me a good reason. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you're not gonna just get my time just because, like, you're not gonna get my time just because you want it. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to give me a good reason, mm-hmm. right? So, so what, one of the two good reasons is like you want to become a client or you are a hot girl. You know, <laughs> hot in, to my definition of hotness, right? Yeah. So, yeah. which is obviously subjective. So, 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 so those two, those two types of people have the biggest chances of getting my time, right? Mm, yes. Someone interested in, in, in working with me and, and approaching me in the right way, uh, or, or a, a hot girl, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody else, well, you, you have to figure this out. You know, yeah. you have to really be creative because mm. I'm at the point in life where I would much rather spend time by myself mm-hmm. doing not much than spend it with the wrong person, mm. right? The person yeah. who, who, who doesn't give me something. When I say something, I don't mean money. It's not like, oh, this person can't make me money. I'm not interested. But there's got to be something, right? I have those three criteria I look at, right? It's like a checklist. Yeah. What are they? For me, for me to say yes to spending time with someone, yeah. that person has to tick one of the three boxes. Okay. Right? And if they don't tick any of those three boxes, there's no, there's no way I'm going to spend time with them. Mm. So in no particular order, can meeting this person lead to me making money? Yes or no? Mm. Can me meeting this person lead to me growing as a person? Yes or no? Can me meeting this person lead to me having a lot of fun? Yes or no? So there's no fun, growth, or money involved. I'm not interested. Right? If you don't bring to the table one of the three things, right? Some people bring more than than one of the three. But if you don't bring to the table at least one of those three things, I'm not going to spend my time with you. Mm. Right? And I became ruthless um, Mm. when it comes to that. Through yes. self-discipline, right? Mm, so yes. putting myself first, yes. right? As much as I'm a people pleaser still, and I would like for everybody to be happy, and I would like to make everybody happy, mm. I've learned the obvious, which is that no matter who you are and what you do, you can't make everybody happy anyway. No, you can't. So you might as well prioritize yourself, start with yourself, try to make yourself happy, and then mm. guess what? The happier you make yourself, the more happiness Constantly. you can give to others. Because you, you can't give what you don't have. It's like, I'm going to pick up a few homeless people from around my area, whatever, invite them to my house and cook some dinner for them, right? Mm-hmm. So you collect those people from the streets, right? They're so, they're so excited because they're like, okay, this guy's cool. He's going to feed us. We are hungry. It's mm-hmm. cold. You open the fridge and there is nothing in it. Oh, that's right? So the intention might be there, but mm. there's no food in your house. Mm. How are you going to feed those people? Mm. And it's a little bit like that with happiness. If you want to make other people happy, the best thing you can do is to make yourself happy first. Mm. There's a reason why on the plane they always say, if you have a kid, put your own oxygen mask first. Because if you miss the point of getting, if you die, if you die mm. uh, you're not going to be able to help your kid anyway. That's true. If you die, your kid dies. Mm. Whereas if you are fast enough, you start with yourself, 
then you have enough oxygen and then you can take care of your kids or somebody mm. else for that matter, right? So there's a That's reason true. for it, right? Mm. Mm. So actually, one of the best things that you can do for other people is to take care of yourself and be, in a way, selfish, mm. right? Mm. And maybe that's not the right word because selfish implies like only like negative stuff, but like mm -hmm. selfish in your pursuit of taking care of yourself first. Oh, so yeah. then you have more to give later. So that's what I did. Now I'm in a position to be generous with my time sometimes, with my resources sometimes. Like I'm in a position because I got to that point through all the hours I put into my work, mm -hmm. right? But when I, when I first started, I'm talking about coaching, right? When I first started, yeah. all I was doing was work. Mm. I wasn't yeah. supporting anyone financially. I wasn't giving any money to anyone because mm. I knew that whatever money I was making after, after paying the bills, mm -hmm. I, I wanted and I needed to reinvest that money back in my business. Yeah. So then I could eventually grow it to the level where now I can not only take care of myself with mm. what I make, but also take care of all the people that I care about. Yes. Starting with my family, my girlfriends, etc. Right. Mm -hmm. So it took me a few years to get to that point. But mm. yeah, the the first few years was just head down, working my ass off. You wanted to have a drink with me? Forget about it. Like I wasn't drinking for two and a half years. I wasn't partying for two and a half years. I wasn't even dating for two and a half years. Mm. Right. Because I knew that if one thing that could distract me, that thing would be uh, if there's one thing that could distract me, it would be women. Right, mm -hmm. and just chasing them, waiting for their replies, and trying to see them again, missing them, and all of that. So it's like I I need to cut that out so I can focus on the thing, the most important thing in front of me, yeah. which is growing this coaching practice. And once I grow it to a level that I will be satisfied with, mm -hmm. then of course the dating is not going anywhere. It's not going out of fashion. Like you know, the women are not going anywhere. I can always come back to it, mm -hmm. and that's exactly what I did. Yes. And when I'm, I came back, Toby, let me tell you, when yes. I came back, yeah. I came back. <laughs> yeah. In the first 12 months, I got like, no exaggeration, at, at, no, not at least, I don't say at least, around 100 first dates wow. in one year. All, wow. all for Tinder and like similar apps. So mm. I was like, okay, now is the time. So I have two and a half years to make up for, let's get swiping. <laughs> wow and i'm so glad that you, you took that time to work on yourself and work on your your you know coaching business also because now today you are successful with it and um you you coach a lot of high achievers and i'm so happy with what you say like you know self-discipline takes that self-discipline to dedicate yourself to this journey to put yourself first in order to you know, become a generous giver even at the end of the day also. That's that's so wonderful. That's my my key message from this episode. Yeah, and I'm not saying that, hey, just because you have, you should give, you know, I'm, I'm not, as a, you see, as a general rule, I don't tell other people how they should spend their money, mm. right? I'm not saying just because you are rich, you should be supporting charities. Just because you are rich, you, you should be, it's natural for me, like nobody had to tell me that. It's natural for me, but this is part of what I was talking about before. It's like, I'm doing me. Mm -hmm. And part of me has always been generous. Mm -hmm. It's just that when I was broke, I couldn't help financially anyone because I didn't have any money, True. right? So I couldn't, 
I could express my generosity in other ways, mm-hmm. but financial support wasn't one of them because I didn't have enough money myself, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, when I hear sometimes, and it's just like an overall thing when it comes to criticism, when you see, when you find yourself being criticized, what you will always find is that it's always the person who's less successful than you that criticizes you. Right? You, 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 you don't hear Elon Musk criticizing Bill Gates or Bill Gates criticizing, whether they like each other or not, they, they kind of civil because that at a certain level, it, 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 it's it's usually the the, the 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 guy without any money who's gonna talk um, uh, on social media about how Elon Musk should be giving more money to the charity. Mm-hmm. And when I see that, even though I know if I had Elon Musk's money, I wouldn't be spending it on trying to <laughs> build a colony on Mars, which I think is a ridiculous idea and completely unnecessary, right? I, I know exactly what I would do with this money, right? Uh, in, in a context of like helping other people, right? Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, when I see somebody voicing that opinion on social media with, with a tone of like, you should do this, you should do that. The, the, the only thing I'm thinking is not what I just said about Elon Musk, because that's like what I think. And, and that's, but like I said, it's Elon Musk's money. He's made his money, it's his money. Mm-hmm. When I see a, 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 a post like that or a comment like that from somebody, the first thing I'm thinking is like, hey, why don't you do what he's done, make the money that he's made, and then decide what to do with this money? Mm-hmm. Instead of telling him what he should do with his money. Yeah. Try, try, try to take as many risks as he did. First of all, try to become as smart as he, obviously, like, it, you know, it's, it's, it's genetics partially, right? But first of all, you know, be as smart as he is, mm-hmm. then leave South Africa, you know, take the risks that he took, mm-hmm. work as many hours as he did, mm-hmm. be as creative as he is, mm-hmm. and then we can have this conversation. Mm-hmm. And for now, here's an idea, why don't you shut the fuck up? <laughs> and, and don't tell Elon, and it's not mm-hmm. like I'm a big fan of like a huge fan, I have a poster, poster of Elon Musk, I'm on the wall, I don't. I respect him for what he's done, mm-hmm. but... It doesn't matter. It's his money. Mm. And it's not my place. And the way I see it, it's nobody's place to tell anybody how they should spend the money. Some yeah, people are true. more generous. Some people are less generous. Mm. I had some very wealthy clients who were extremely generous. I had some very wealthy clients who were less generous. Mm. Both, both groups were nice people. Mm. They, they were nice people. Some people are just like, it's like, one of those characteristics, you know, some yeah. people have blue eyes, some people have green eyes, some people That's are generous, true. some people are less generous, you know, it's yeah. like, I, 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 I happen to be on the generous side mm-hmm. and people around me have been benefiting from it for, for years and, mm-hmm. and, 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 the, and the more I will be making, the, the, the more successful I'll be getting, mm-hmm. the more it will benefit other people. Right, yeah. but I'm not saying, "Hey, Elon Musk, look at me. This is what I do." So, hey, you do you, Elon. Yeah. If if what you do is enough for you to sleep well at night, good for you. For me, yes. it wouldn't be. That's true. Right? Yeah. For me, yeah. it wouldn't be like for me yeah. to like have the life that I have, and then see my parents struggling with the patients in Poland. Mm. It, it it just I just couldn't. It, you know, it sounds like dramatic, but like I couldn't live with myself knowing that 
I have the lifestyle that I have and my parents are struggling and, and worrying about money. It's just like, un, like un, un, unthinkable. It's unthinkable. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then the same for my like sister and her family or like my girlfriends, like it's unthinkable. Like mm. if I say, I love you, if I say you are important to me and then, I have the resource that could be useful to you that you don't have or you don't have enough of. Like, why would I, why, why wouldn't I share it with you? If yeah. I say that I care about you, I'm not going around and, and, uh, and, and give people money on the street. I'm not that kind of generous guy. Like there's different types, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Hey, you know, Oh, whoever stops you on the street, I'll give you all the money I have. You take my watch, take my, um, you know, it's, it's, it's focusing on the people in, 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 you know, in a close radius yeah. uh, to me, that's, that's, that's what I'm at right now. Uh, I don't know where I'm going to be 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I will expand <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 beyond the radius I, I operate within right now, but mm-hmm. this is what I am now, now uh, um, at the age of 39. Oh, that's good. And you said that you work with a lot of, you know, successful clients. You work with a lot of um, high achievers also. I did like, you know, you said some of them are, you know, very generous and some are, you know, on the other side of the spectrum. But I did like some common traits that you've seen in all of these people, none of these high achievers. What is common to all of them? Sure. One thing that they all have in common, all the high achievers that I've ever worked with, they have this hunger that, quote unquote, average people don't have. Mm, what's that or quote unquote normal people don't have they have this hunger mm. now and i can relate to that because i definitely would put myself in the same categories like high achievers right and i've always had when i say always as an adult not as mm. a child as a child i was just being a child as a, as a teenager i was a being i was being a teenager mm. uh in my in my um in my early teens only in my mid to late teens that I learned that I am more hungry mm-hmm. than most people, mm-hmm. right? And it only became really apparent or really obvious to me in my 20s. Mm-hmm. That I'm just hungry for success. Mm-hmm. Not just financial success. Like I wanted financial success as well, but like just hungry for for living my best life, mm. hungry for becoming the best version of myself, right? And as much as I can look at my high achieving clients, not just the current ones, but like I look at the last decade or so, um, some of them were male, some of them were female. Mm. Some of them were young, some of them were old. Mm. Some of them were Caucasian, some of them were black, some of them were Asian, some of them were Arab, some of them were gay, some of them were some of them were highly intelligent, some of them were not so intelligent. Some of them were skinny, some of them were fat. Some of them believed in this God, some of them didn't believe in any God, right? So in terms of any of those things, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't matter, right? Some of them were extremely well educated and some of them were like me, completely not educated in a traditional sense, right? Mm -hmm. So none of those things matter, right? So anyone listening, if you think to yourself, oh, you know, uh, I don't think I can be as successful as like maybe that guy or that girl because I'm too short or 
I was born in a poor country. I came from a poor family. Uh, I was useless at school, right? Mm. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's the hunger that you have or you don't have. Mm. If you find that hunger within you towards something, yeah. so I was talking about my hunger towards creating an amazing life overall, but mm-hmm. you know, when you find that hunger towards anything, that's all you need. Mm. But hunger plus time equals success. Yeah. Right? And obviously, because the time is part of the equation, right? Mm-hmm. You need to have a lot of hunger to sustain the amount of time that it's needed to become successful. Mm. I don't care how talented you are. I don't care how beautiful you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care. If you want to be successful at anything, it's going to take many, many, many hours, Mm. right? And then if you are someone who tries something for a year and then quits because you didn't become successful, I'm like, what did you expect? To become successful after one year, Mm. right? And then you switch to something else and then to something else and to something else. Mm. Like it took me a year and a half to get a first date with my Mm ex-girlfriend right a year and a half to get a first date with someone Mm. and you started a career you didn't or business you didn't become a millionaire within a year and you and you concluded that this wasn't a good idea or you are not good enough come on things take time right just like a tree right needs many, many years to, 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 to reach its like, you know, full potential, if you will. Yeah. doesn't matter how much rain there is in the country. doesn't matter what you do with this seed and this little, it takes time. Mm. Right. And obviously the bigger the goal, the bigger the vision, the more time is going to be required in order for you to reach that goal, to reach That's that true. vision. Right? So, yeah. so, so, so find that hunger within you. Uh, if you want to be successful again, None of my business if you don't. None of my business. Again, <laughs> I don't go around and say, hey, you should want to be successful. Hey, you should want. It's none of my business. If you come to me for help, then it becomes my business. Yeah, quite literally. Because yeah. you pay me for me to help you. Mm. But other than that, if you're just a stranger, uh, if, you, if you want to be an Uber driver for the rest of your life, if that's what you want. If you want to be a nurse, we bloody need nurses and we need Uber drivers. I have no problem with that. I have no problem. I don't think I'm better than you just because I might be making, you know, 10 times, 20 times more money than you mm. working, uh, uh, you know, 20% of the amount of hours that you do. I don't think I'm better than you. I, I chose my path. Mm. You chose your path. Mm. Just don't freaking tell me that the fact that you are an Uber driver, if you hate it, let's say, I don't think many Uber drivers love it, but don't, just don't tell me that you've been an Uber driver for 10 years, you hate it, mm. but you are an Uber driver because you are short or because mm. you are from a poor country or because your, your mother didn't hug you enough when you were five mm. because I'm not buying it. Mm. You are an Uber driver because you choose to be an Uber driver every day because mm. you haven't made a commitment to do something else. And like mm. I said, I have no problem with Uber drivers. Mm. Yeah, right? yeah. If that's what you want, just just don't complain to me if you don't like it don't complain to me yeah. that you can't do anything else you know you're, you're stuck don't come because i said listen it's it's 
we we have to take responsibility, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. I take responsibility for being successful. Mm-hmm. I'm responsible for being successful. Mm-hmm. I've made myself who I am. Mm-hmm. I've built my life the way I wanted to build, mm-hmm. right? And that's yeah. easy to say. It's much harder to admit to yourself, especially at 39. <laughs> I suppose I'm responsible for the fact that I'm a loser. Mm. And I still live with my parents. Mm. And, you know, I work at uh, a supermarket, even though I'm smart and I could have a better job, you know? That's much mm. harder to do. It's That's easy to take responsibility when you've made it. Yeah. Right? But, hey, you know, each to their own. Yeah, that's you true. Do, you know, if you, you, we, we need people working in supermarkets. We need people driving Ubers and we need nurses. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Especially yeah. the nurses, right? Because... Yeah they're going to be hard to replace with like robots anytime soon. <laughs> so I, 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 I love the nurses. Uh, mm. uh, I support the nurses, but uh, yeah. yeah, I support them to the point when they start complaining about being a nurse and how uh, they don't get paid enough. So listen, you knew how much you're going to get paid before you became a nurse. Don't complain about your salary now. Mm. Right. Who, who's stopping you to work on some side side business over the weekends, right? Mm-hmm. If you work Monday to Friday, let's say, right? Mm-hmm. Who's stopping you from, oh, I have two kids. I don't care. There's plenty of stories of women who have done two jobs, raised three kids after alcoholic husband left them and they still started a business and become multimillionaires, That's right? Yeah. We, 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 if, if we look for stories like that, we're going to find them in every country, Right across mm. any any part of history, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so for me, that's a very simple uh, conclusion that I arrived when I look at something like that. If one person mm. could do it, I can do it. Yes, if she could do it. I can do it. If you can do it, I can do it. Yeah. So now right. that we have now that we have the we have the hunger and we are working towards our goals and we achieve that goal. So, how would you advise us to you know stay at the top of our industry when we've gotten to that point in life? Sure. So, so uh, it, it, it's 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 down to that hunger. Like you know, it, mm. it's one thing to get to the top, and then in order to stay on the top, you you gotta sustain that hunger, mm. right? For me, it's unimaginable to let anyone do better than me in the field of personal coaching here in the UK. I would never mm. let that happen. Mm. Like, because I'm competitive by nature, yeah. right? So yeah. if I was an athlete, I would have to win gold medals. Like, that would be my goal, right? Yeah, yes. If I was a tennis player, I would have to win the major tournaments because that's, that's in my nature, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I know for a fact I don't have a strong competition in the UK. I have some strong competition in the US, but I don't really see them as direct competition because they're in the US and I'm here and... Mm. Not all of my clients, but most of my clients have a preference for face-to-face coaching anyway. They're not going to go to see the coach in LA every week or every two weeks. It's just not sustainable, right? Mm-hmm. So, so um, but at the same time, I recognize that if I had to do more, I don't, as it stands. If I had to do more to do better than I'm doing right now, I would mm-hmm. find a way to do better. Right. If it was like, okay, there's this new kid on the block and he or she is just smashing it. And Michael, she's, she's going after you or he's going after you. Mm. I would need to think 
long and hard, long and hard as to what I need to do because like that's like in my head. I know this might yeah. sound silly to saying like, why do you care so much? I can't tell you why because I don't know. I just have that inbuilt need to be the best at what I do mm. here in the UK to begin yeah. with, right? Yeah. Like I just had that thing. Like it's almost like obsession of like, what what is it that I need to do? How do I need to do it? Mm-hmm. What kind of results, because at the end of the day, my line of work is about the results you get for your clients. What kind of results I need to get for my clients to get to that top of my industry, mm-hmm. to be able to charge the fees that I charge right now and for people to be happy to pay it, mm-hmm. right? Because I don't use any sophisticated uh, selling techniques. I don't think I use any selling techniques, let alone sophisticated ones. Mm-hmm. I meet people for initial consultations. We have a chat. It's like a, it's like a chat. I said chat because it is a chat. Yeah. There's no there's no formal process that we go through. I take them through anything like that. I just meet those people. We hang out for a few mm-hmm. hours, mm-hmm. and then at the end we decide what we want to do. Mm-hmm. Right? That's my that's my process. Yeah. Right. There's no there's no selling really. Mm-hmm. There's there's just conversation. Right. Yes. Sometimes the people I meet are, are are better fit than some other times, and and the ones that fit me and I fit them, we 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 get to dance. Mm-hmm. Right. And the ones that don't fit uh, we, we, we don't get to dance and that's okay too right yes so what i understand now is like you know whenever we get to the top already or when we get to the top we just have to keep on having that hunger in us keep on working on ourselves improving on our skills and becoming a much more better person because we are basically working progress and no matter what stage of level we are in life we still have to just keep on putting the work in into ourselves absolutely absolutely because you know, I've, I've mentioned like tennis players um, before. They, they it's, it's like, you know, Roger Federer, um, like I remember reading somewhere when he was like at his peak. So he, I know he's like not number one anymore. Mm-hmm. He's a little bit too old for that. So he's like retiring and all of that. But um, even at his peak, he would practice four to six hours a day. Mm. You would think, or, or no, you wouldn't, I wouldn't, but somebody could think, surely after winning like 10 Grand Slams, you can just chill a little bit. Like you, you, you're the champion. Like yeah. every, everybody, everybody's in awe of you. Mm. But he understood the mm. obvious, which is there's one thing to get to the top. Another thing is to stay there. Mm-hmm. So in order to stay there, you got, you got to, you gotta sharpen your pencils every day. You gotta, you gotta, you got you gotta stay in shape, mm. right? You got, you gotta, you gotta be aware of your competition. Who's, who's your, who's your competition, right? Yeah. Who are those people? Mm-hmm. You know, what do you need to do to make sure that they don't take you over, right, mm-hmm. and, and become better than you? So, so in sports it's easier because you have tournaments, points, and all of that. Mm-hmm. In industries like mine or like in legal profession, like, you know, who's the best lawyer in the UK? It's hard to tell. Like there's a, you know, like maybe in, within the law industry, they know exactly who that person is. Mm-hmm. But it's something it's like with, 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 with artists, like who's the best artist? Like who's the best music artist on the planet today? Mm-hmm. How do you answer that question? Right. Yes, one thing you can look at is is who sells the most records, mm. and then you could say, well, maybe that artist is not necessarily the best because that's subjective, mm-hmm. but you can say maybe that artist is the most successful artist 
on mm. the planet right now based on the sales of the records. Yeah, yeah. and I don't know who that is. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, I think in the UK it's either Adele or Ed Sheeran, one mm-hmm. of the two. One of those two. Mm. Uh, I don't know who is that person uh, globally, but but it's it's yeah, it's easier for competitive people. Sport yes. sport is a perfect environment because everything is very easy to measure. Mm, when you have true. when you have ten guys running one hundred meter sprint, <laughs> even a child can tell who is the winner because you just see who crosses the line first, right? Exactly. Exactly. It's not like well. <laughs> Yes, it's a bit subjective. No, it's not subjective. Or like when you have two football teams playing, it's like, who's won? Well, it's usually the one, the team that has scored more goals. <laughs> it's very easy to determine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At any point, what's the best football club and, and, and or the best uh, country when it comes to football? When it comes to professions like mine, it's a bit tricky. I wish they, they were like, it's never going to happen, but like, I wish there were like tournaments for coaches. Mm where I could go and, and prove my dominant, like my superiority. But, like, it, it, and it, but it's like, you know, as I'm saying that, I'm recognizing that it's so silly because why do I care? Like, who cares? You don't, you don't have to prove anything. No, like, who cares? But it's, it's just, it's part of my DNA, yeah, right? Yeah. And I just happen to become a coach, mm-hmm. but I know that I'll be thinking about any profession I'll be in mm-hmm. if I wasn't in this profession. That's true. So, so, so it's not about like, oh, since I became a coach, I started to think along those lines. No, it's just, it's just who I am. Yeah. Right. And I yeah. had this competitive nature. And here's the thing. Somebody said um, that there are two ways to end up having or owning the highest skyscraper in town. Mm-hmm. One is to build the highest skyscraper in town. And the other one is to demolish other people's skyscrapers. Right. Uh, yes. So, w- without a doubt, I'm clear on one thing: is that in my case, I've never been interested in getting to the top by following the second scenario, mm-hmm. um, by trying to make other coaches look bad or cr- like I, I do criticize some coaches, but but that's not because I want to make myself look better. It's just a, if I if I do criticize. Some coaches occasion is because they gave me a, a reason for it, mm, right? mm. which is other than you know me, me trying to look better than them. Yeah. Um, and, and, and sure enough, and sure enough, if you play your cards right, and if you are a decent human being, mm. you don't you don't need to you don't want to and you don't need to demolish other people's skyscrapers. You just build the highest skyscraper. Yeah, you know? that's you true. Are, quite literally, if you are a, a, a property developer, if you're really that ambitious, you can end up owning the highest skyscraper in town, mm. right? You don't need to demolish anybody else's. Just look at the, what's the tallest. Okay, with 75 stories. Okay, so, that, so let's find a way to build the one that's 76. And that's it, done, mm-hmm. right? You, yeah. don't, you don't need to like, you, you keep the 75 story one the way it is intact. Mm-hmm. You just build the taller one and then, and then nobody gets hurt and you still win. That's right? true. And, yeah. and yeah, the guy who, who had the highest, now he, he or she could be a, a woman, obviously. Now he or she's maybe a little bit upset, but then guess what? what? If, it's impo- if it's really important for them, they can go, okay, we had a 75 story building. They, 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 this guy built 76. We're going to mm-hmm. build 77 now. Yeah. So there's, there's, right? So, so, so there's, always a, there's always a way. Yeah. And just uh, keep on growing. 
Yeah, you know, there's the saying, uh, where there is a will, there is a way. Yes, if, that's true. If you, if you are hungry enough for something, you will find a way to get it. True. You will push yourself through all the challenges, all the obstacles, all the problems that you're going to face. You're going to push through it. Mm-hmm. And it's that hunger that I was talking about, that we were talking about, that's going to ultimately allow you to do what, what's needed to be done mm-hmm. in order to get what you want. That yeah. hunger more than anything else. More than intelligence, more than looks, more than connections. When people say, oh, to be successful, you need to know people. It is such a nonsense mm-hmm. statement. It's such a bullshit. It, you don't need to know anybody. I didn't know anybody. Like, I didn't know anybody mm-hmm. when I became a coach. Mm-hmm. Anybody who could help my career. I started small, extremely small, below the UK's average in terms of my fees, mm-hmm. charging 20 pounds per session, and slowly but surely, you know. year after year, year after year, for 10 and a half years now, I've been getting, you know, I've been adding, so I built the foundation, mm-hmm. ground floor, mm-hmm. and then I've been adding floors, first floor, second floor, so now I'm like, whatever, but I'm still building my skyscraper. Yeah. I'm far from being done. Mm. yeah i'm far from being done yes it's a good looking skyscraper i acknowledge that i appreciate that mm. but i'm nowhere near I'm, I'm not i'm not i haven't put a roof yet yeah it, it's it's still under construction mm. and it will remain under construction for the rest of my life yeah oh that's so beautiful michael <laughs> just keep on building the skyscraper and you know, remain the best and stay on top all the time yeah that's good that, that might have been my most poetic in a long time. Like the yeah. last thing. <laughs> the first time I knew, yeah, this is, yeah. But that, that's how I feel about it. It's not, it's, it's, and, and you see, I could extend that analogy beyond my coaching practice and, and, mm. and, and what I do. And I could extend that to, to me working myself as a man as something that it's always going to be under construction. Yeah. Yeah, it's never good. Okay. It's I'm never done. done. Because you see, I'm not a religious man, but my best guess is that Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad, there hasn't been a point where any of them went, I'm so enlightened, I can't possibly be any more enlightened. I know all the answers, right? I would imagine that even those people would say, I'm still work in progress. Mm, we are working progress. I'm, I'm, I'm in a good place. We are always, all of us work in progress. That's Some true. of us are more advanced than the others, mm-hmm. right? And I know I'm pretty advanced mm. because I spent 16 years on it, right? That's the only reason I'm so advanced, not because I'm 39, but because I spent 16 years out of those 39 years working on myself, mm-hmm. right? So consciously, looking at myself in the mirror, not literally, although literally I do that quite a lot as well, uh, <laughs> looking at myself in the mirror and, and trying to find ways in which I could improve myself. Yeah. Right? So looking great. At, yeah. looking yes. at different areas of my life and constantly, I, and I still do it, and I will mm-hmm. always be doing it, mm-hmm. right? And that's, 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 that's work in progress for sure. And, and that's harder than the coaching business because that's just one thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you look at yourself as a man, in yeah. our case, uh, uh, 
you know, or as a human being, uh, that's so much more complex than just like, you know, running a business. Uh, there's more elements, so there's more things to look at and consider mm. and, and pay attention to. So it, it becomes therefore uh, uh, bigger of a challenge. Yeah, you're right. Wow. Michael, I've learned so much from you and from this conversation. Like, I'm just like, it's so insightful, you know, listening to your story and, you know, going through everything that you've gone through and just picking a lot of life lessons from it, basically. And I'm sure there are people out there who still have a lot of questions to ask or who love to be to engage with your coaching service also. So what was the best way to connect with you? What's the best way to work with you? What's the best way to reach across to you to, you know, become a member of your coaching team? So very simple, um, my, myname.com. And then when you're there, you can learn more about me, my coaching style. And also from there, you can go to different social media platforms. Excuse me, on which, I'm, uh, on which I am present. Mm. Um, I'm a Facebook generation, so I'm the most active on Facebook. Uh, okay. uh, I know that Gen Z, like I, I don't know anyone under 30. I know one person. There's only one person under the age of 30 that I know who's on Facebook, everybody else, because it's like, it used to be younger people there, but now as soon as the parents of those people started joining Facebook, those people started leaving. It's like, exactly. Facebook's not, not cool anymore, right? <laughs> but, but I'm a Facebook generation. I like my Facebook. So like Facebook, Instagram. So uh, uh, there's, there's this whole bunch of different interviews that I've done over the years and, and, and talks that I've given on my YouTube channel as well. And that can mm. be found on my website as well. Uh, a link to my book is there as well. Uh, but yeah, michaelsera.com is the place to go to because from there, you can find everything else as yeah. well. Oh, that's great. I'm going to place the link in the show notes of this episode. So I encourage everyone who is listening to just click on it, copy the link and get across to Michael. I mean, from this conversation, I've added so much fuel with a lot of impactful words so much um motivational inspirational words and i can't imagine what your you know coaching service also will entail it will entail much more it's what's the thousands of um dollars that <laughs> that you charge for it yeah thank you so much michael i really appreciate this that's awesome thank you for having me i really enjoyed it wow you made it to the very end of this episode thank you so much for listening i'm grateful for your time your love and your contributions subscribe like, review, and share this podcast. God bless you. Bye. Bye.